Well, happy Father's Day. It is so good to be able to speak to you and to have the technology that even if we're not together in person, we can be together. And I just want to share a kind of shortened message today that I hope will help you uh, regardless of where you are at when it comes to Father's Day. But hopefully that you as fathers will feel encouraged, uh, motivated, inspired in a way that I think turns Father's Day upside down. And that's exactly what I want to do. I want to try my best today to turn Father's Day upside down. And it really all started when I realized that I thought I was going to be the best dad ever. Which dad doesn't think they're going to be pretty good? Especially as a teenager, you're sort of looking ahead and you're going to be, you look and you think, I'm going to be the best dad. Why not? Of course. And then you become a parent. And one of the telling moments that happened of late that really kind of uh, woke me up to the fact that, one, my kids are growing up really fast. And secondly, I've got some learning to do. I've got some growing to do when it comes to parenting. It was when I basically tried to give an instruction. I'll share what the instruction was in a bit. But I got ignored. And that wasn't the first time. It was just the first time I realized that my kids are getting pretty good at ignoring me and I don't know any parent who enjoys being ignored but my kids are getting better and better at ignoring me and you know what's interesting is they don't ignore me all the time and in every circumstance just some of the time and in some circumstances and that's what really annoys me is when and why I think they're annoying me so there's a story that Jesus tells that I think is going to help us to get a little bit of a better understanding on why my kids are ignoring me, but better yet, how I can become a better dad and how you can become a better dad, but, but maybe not just become a better dad. Better understand parenting, better understand leadership, better understand what it means to love people well and to be the kind of person who really does take people into the future uh, in, in a beautiful way. Whether it's uh, leadership in your uh, company, leadership in your home, leadership in any particular way, we want to help people thrive and flourish just like any good dad wants to help his kids thrive and flourish. So that's what I want to do today and I want to do that through the lens of the prodigal son. You know the story, Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells this amazing story and he tells it like this. He says there was once a young son and he goes to his dad and he says, dad, give me my inheritance. And to say, give me my inheritance to a person who's living is, well, nothing short of really offensive. You're saying to the dad, dad, you're kind of dead to me. So give me what uh, you would have given me when you die. Give it to me now and I'm going to go start my own life apart from you. It's pretty awful. And that's exactly what the son does in the story Jesus tells. Anyway, he goes and he spends all that money in a shorter space of time than he imagined on wild living, doing everything his dad told him he probably shouldn't do with his life, to the point that he hits absolute rock bottom. He's eating uh, pig's food in a pigsty. And it's in this moment that he comes to his senses and he thinks, even my dad's servants have a better life than this. Even they are getting away with a happier life than the, the one I've got. I'm going to go back to my dad and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask him to let me be one of his servants. I'll just be a hired hand. And he starts his journey back. The beautiful part of the story is that it says that as he's getting back, 
His father sees him from a long way off as though he pops over the horizon. His father knows how he walks and he rushes out to him and he embraces his son and he puts a ring on his finger and he puts a robe on his back. He doesn't even listen to his son's uh, sort of deal that he wants to make that he can be a servant. He uh, uh, um, welcomes him in and says, you are my son, welcome back. And he spoils him with a feast. He gets the best food. He gets the best people in the town. And they celebrate. What a beautiful story of the love and the grace of God Jesus tells. But it doesn't end there because this older brother is also part of the story. And the older brother who's been staying faithfully back at home with his dad, he goes to his dad and he gets pretty up in his grill and he says, Dad, how can this be? Here I am, I've been here all along, slaving away, working at this house, and you've never thrown a feast for me. You've never put that ring on my finger. You just haven't done that stuff. What's going on? Father looks at him and he says, But son, all of this has always been yours. All you needed to do was ask. It's a really telling moment in the life of both these boys. The one son is amazed by his father's grace to take him back after being so foolish. The other son is grieved by his father's uh, kind of behavior, unable to see that his father had always been willing to love him and spoil him. Jesus tells this story and he doesn't for one moment expect any of us to read this and go, oh yeah, I'm the father in this story, right? You didn't think for one moment that you fitted into that. All of us are listening to the story of the prodigal son and we're going, am I the younger brother? Am I the older brother? Why? Because that's how we know we behave. And Jesus told that story to say, God is like the father and we are like the younger sons or the older son. That's who we are. And for most of us, we're like both. That's just how most of us are. Sometimes we're rebels who want to go off on our own way. And sometimes we're religious people who think we deserve stuff, but never actually are humble enough to ask for it. And so we miss out on all the good stuff that God has for us. What does this have to do with Father's Day? Well, you see, Jesus is trying to say that we as human beings are fundamentally, as identities, we're not fundamentally thinking of ourselves or should not fundamentally think of ourselves as parents, but as children. We are meant to see ourselves as children under God as our father. And yet you go to the closest library or the closest bookshop and you go find me a book on childrening. Go find me one. Have you ever read a book called How to Be a Better Child? and 20,000 other great lessons. You, you don't get that, right? Or have you recently read a book on how to be a better follower? Probably not, because most of the time we're reading books on how to be better leaders or better parents. Leadership and parenting, that is a multi-billion dollar industry filled with all kinds of literature. And that is where we bend ourselves. We believe that we are meant to be the parents. We are meant to be the, the leaders. And here we see something really interesting. Jesus says, you're not the leader. You're the child. 
You're not the parent, you're the child. And you need to understand that. So, what does this have to do? Why are my kids not listening? What does that have to do with anything about Father's Day? Well, what did I try to tell my kids to do? <laughs> Here's a few examples. Girls, put the phone down. It's not screen time. Ignored. Girl, listen to me. Stop staring at yourself in the mirror. Ignored. Now, can you see where I'm going with this? You see, what most of us don't understand about leadership, about influence, is that like John Wimber said, more is caught than taught. Our children, the people we influence, are not primarily going to do what we say they are going to do what we do. And if we don't understand that we are first children under God and that God is leading us, then our kids are going to just do what we do. And our primary task as leaders, as fathers, as mothers, as any human being on the earth, is to model what it's like to be a child of God. Now, I'm not suggesting we act childishly. I'm talking about being good children, learning to live under God as a father, because it is a haunting fact that children will do what we do, not what we say. Let me read that list again. It's pretty scary. Put your phone down. Ignored? Do children do what we do? Or do they do what we say? Stop staring in the mirror. That's a vulnerable moment for me, right? This is a vulnerable moment for us as parents because we look at our kids and we realize they are reflections of our behavior. They learned almost all of what they do by imitating us. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. This is one of the most life-giving moments for you. I know it's scary. At first it feels like really bad news. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just drop the manual and uh, kind of give it to the kids and say, read it and do it. I'm going to go my way. You do your thing. But that's not how life works. That's not how influence works. That's not how the world has changed. The world has changed because we realize that people do what we do, not primarily what we say. And they do what we say from time to time, thankfully. So where's all the good news in this? Well, the good news is in the story once again. If you and I could realize that actually people are going to do what we do and not what we say, then here's the good news. First, be like the younger brother in that you realize that you can receive and give love. That you can receive and give apologies. Hey, if your kids are going to learn from you how to live, then you need to model what it looks like to be loved. Hey, as a dad, as a mom, do you know how to be loved? Do you know how to receive love? Or do you try to fix everything on your own and then show the world that you're so great? If you're modeling that you are your own person, independent, strong, never need help, then you're not modeling what it means to be a healthy, growing, mature human being. 
I suppose in Western society, we're taught to be mature is to be independent, leave your home, go to varsity, live by yourself, earn your own money. But in the Bible, to be mature is to be interdependent, to learn to give and to receive. And our interdependence starts with God, to learn to receive love from Him, to learn to receive forgiveness from Him, to realize that we are prone to rebel and go our own way, but He wants to love us. How are you doing at modeling receiving love and forgiveness and care and grace and mercy from God? It's the start to becoming the best parent you could ever imagine. Just receive. But don't just receive, also give it. Learn to give love. Like the, older, uh, the younger brother, he came and he was grateful and he walked with his father, receiving and then learning, hopefully, to give love more and more. But there's also the older brother. We can learn from him too. You see, the older brother got all uptight. He got comparative. Why is he getting this? Why, is he not, uh, why, is he, why am I not getting this? He got jealous. He got envious. He thought he deserved something that he should have got for himself. And the father looks at him and he says, but everything here has always been yours already. You just needed to ask. Hey, as a parent, as a father, mother, leader, have you learned to ask? To, to believe that God is kind? To, to shed that victim mentality, that victim identity that says, you know what? My life is so hard and I've been dealt so many tough blows. If you're in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to sound as compassionate as I can while I say this. The greatest victimhood you experience is that you're a victim of the beautiful and wonderful love of God the Father all over you. And I wonder if you would begin as a dad, as a father, as a mother, as a person to learn to ask him for his grace again. To not be so proud to pretend that you've got it all together when you're so close to the Father's resources. His love, His affirmation, His kindness over your life. There is no one who graduates from needing the love of God, not even the older brother in this story. He too looks and He wishes. And the Father says, but you've been so close. The reason this is a helpful reminder today is that you and I, if we want to be better parents, better dads, better moms, better leaders, better at taking people through into the next generation, then we need to be better children. We need to embrace what it means to receive the love of the Father and to live in it and then to give it to the world. I don't know if you're like the younger or the older brother, the rebel or the religious one, the one who wears his heart on his sleeve or the one who pretends everything's fine. I don't know where you're at. I just know that more is caught than taught. That more will be done by what people see than what we say. And we'd be wise to model what, it, what it's like to be a child so that our children can emulate, can imitate what it means to be a good child. And in that way, we will raise up multiple generations of beautiful, Christ-honoring children who will influence many generations and who will lead many because first they understood that they're followers, but they're children learning to reflect the beautiful love of God.